0: You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today.
1: Whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts. Who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with a roaring wind? stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might. Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king, setting his throne on straw and manger, and drawing forth the tears of shepherds? Receiving the gifts of wandering travelers. His fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus. The one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts. Who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need until all we see is him.
0: The nativity, we're looking at the advent, the arrival of Christ, and as we look at this story, does it fill you with hope? When we look to the occasion of Christ's birth, does it fill you with hope? Does it fill you with peace? Does it fill you with joy, perhaps? There's lots of different emotions that I know that I experience as I I go through this story, and I'm reminded of Romans chapter 15, where it says at the end in verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we read, as we look to the word, we're gonna overflow with joy. We're gonna overflow with peace because we're believing this, this story is more than just a story. It's real life. It's true. And so as we look to this nativity story today, another vantage point, if you will, I want you to keep this back in the back of your mind. How true do these words of hope, joy and peace ring true for you today? Does this ring true for you today? Hope, joy, and peace. We're told in Psalms chapter 16 verse 11. The psalmist writes this, "You reveal the path of life to me, in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures." John 8:12. Jesus said, "I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." 2 Timothy 3.15 And you know from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. As we look to the word today, I believe the goal, the pursuit of this afternoon is that you would leave here with an overflowing peace, an overflowing joy because of the knowledge of the truth, the faith that you have in Jesus Christ of the true light of the world is being filled within your life. It's overflowing towards you as we read today, as we seek his face. So as we turn to Matthew 2, the title for today is this, the wise Always seek Jesus. The wise always seek Jesus. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men arrived from the east in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, Because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went out on their way and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their own country by another route. There's a lot of things that are happening in this very brief yet detailed account of Christ's arrival. And right at the beginning, you look and you see that these wise men have arrived from the east. Who were these wise guys? Where do they come from? Well, you might be smart, some of you probably are. I think I heard someone say the East. Yeah, they came from the East, but where specifically of the east did they come from. Well, first, there's a hint that we're looked at in the passage here. The gifts that they gave, one of those gifts that was important was frankincense. And there's different messages, and we could look and see the the symbolism, the importance of why frankincense. But for the sake of today, just for the origins of where these men are coming from, frankincense was a popular and valuable trading commodity among Babylon traders. It was one of their go-tos and commodities that they would bring and sell along the way. And so these wise men, it would actually be a large caravan as they traveled, and they would be selling these different commodities. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, and a bunch of other things. But what I wanted to focus on here today is what made these wise men wise? You know, because the author is emphasizing this point. These wise men... And what we find as we go through the word of Scripture and what even historians will tell us is that they were known also as magi. Magi was a broad term describing those who were skilled and wise in aspects of divination. They were called the magi because that they were engaged in the practice of seeking knowledge of the future and revealing the future by supernatural means. And so they were on a pursuit. They would read all kinds of literature, all different kinds of sources, including looking to the stars. And so they were called upon, as you can imagine, to interpret dreams and supernatural phenomenon along the way and discerning specifically their influence on human history and human events. We're actually told in Daniel chapter 5 verse 1 that King Belsahar had a great feast for a thousand of his nobles in Daniel 5 verse 1. It says he drank wine in their presence and while under the influence of wine, Belzahar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, wives, and concubines could drink from them. So they brought in the gold vessels, and they had been taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. That's important to remember where these things had been taken from. And the king and his nobles and wives drank. They drank the wine and praised their gods and made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And at that moment, just imagine, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. And as the king watched and the hand was writing, his face turned pale, as probably mine would also, and his thoughts were terrified that he soiled himself. And his knees knocked together. And the king shouted to them, Bring in the mediums, the Chaldeans, the diviners. And he said to these wise men of Babylon, don't miss that, wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. And so in the midst of this supernatural event, the very hand of God showing up in the midst because of what they had done, what they had taken from a place that wasn't theirs, they're interpreting, they're called upon, and they're given a place of prestige because of the interpretation that they bring. They're showing us, and for sake of purpose of our story here today, as we can see, these wise men were knowledgeable people. They were also keen practitioners of astrology. Now, I hope not too many of you are engaged in the matters of astrology for the sake of trying to pinpoint certain things and looking to the stars for your future. But the wise men of this time were doing just that. They were studying the positions, the relative positions specifically of the celestial bodies, and believing that they had a key connection with what was happening on earth. And so now, as you can imagine, these wise guys, we know why they're coming to Jerusalem. They've seen the star as it appeared, and they're following it as it sets. They're seeing this connection. And what I found really intriguing and interesting is at this time, not only did the the Babylonians, these wise men, but also Jews and other Gentiles believed the supernatural signs in the heavens were connected to what was happening on earth. In fact, they believed they were directly connected to the rise and fall of kings and empires. So no wonder King Herod is beside himself and he's disturbed in verse 3. It says he was deeply disturbed... And so was Jerusalem, because he saw this as the end of his reign, and now there was another. What do you mean? There's another who's been born king of the Jews, and it's not me? And Jerusalem would have been terrified because King Herod wasn't a very popular guy. He was very ruthless in many respects. Apparently, historians tell us that he killed his own wife, even some of his children, because of paranoia and fear, a threat to his reign. And so here was another threat. I couldn't help but see a similarity in reading this of how Lucifer feels the threat to his kingdom or his so-called kingdom. Because the true Prince of Peace, Almighty God and Savior is the real King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Like Herod, Lucifer is shaking in his boots, so to speak, for the day of the Lord. He can do nothing to prevent it. That day is coming. And so many ways, Herod is trying to find ways to circumvent this prophecy, this child to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, wise guys, when you find him, would you come and tell me where he is also so I may go and worship him? And so these wise men were trapping or tracking this event in the heavens. For we saw his star and it's rising and we've come to worship him. We've come to worship him. You know, sometimes we can feel that the worship of Jesus is a nuisance. Maybe coming and setting aside time to come to church, to gather, as the word says, do not forsake the gathering together to encourage one another, to sing songs to the Lord together. And yet these men traveled over 2,700 kilometers by camel through rugged terrain and all kinds of difficult circumstances and the different elements along the way. It would have taken them approximately six months to a year to make this journey. So that's why when the the passage here says that Jesus was a child, well, that's because he's, he's no longer a baby laying in a manger. Time has passed, and yet these men see the star in the sky and they are resolved to not only track the star, but don't miss the point where it says, worship him. Worship him. And so you may be like me as you're looking at this passage and wondering, well, how could these wise men had known about this newborn king in the first place? They're from Babylon. They're pagans. They're no. They're not Jews. But well, once upon a time when the Jews were exiled and, and put into Babylonian captivity because of their inability to keep covenant, God used it as a form of, of discipline for his people. It was in that place, under this exile, where the teachers of, the, of Judaism and of the law and of prophetic literature, that they would rub shoulders with those in the community of Babylon. Just like you, when you go in the marketplace and you're buying gifts and you're walking and talking, you're sharing your faith in a similar fashion, these Jews, these believers, are sharing what they know. And their scribes, or even you can imagine, are are sharing and and teaching. And you could argue that the Babylonians and their worship and the gods that they worshipped, it could very well have rubbed off on the Jews, and in some ways it did. And that's a sermon for another day. But you could rest assured that they were rubbing shoulders and they were learning and hearing these scriptures. Remember, these wise men were about obtaining knowledge, becoming wise. And so they're seeking out this knowledge. And they tell King Herod, we have saw the star. Where is this, you know, newborn king of the Jews? Where did they hear this? Perhaps the fuel for their journey was Numbers twenty-seven, seventeen. I found this fascinating. It says this, I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. Remember, a scepter is that which a monarch would hold. And he will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shittites. Or perhaps it was Micah 5 two. So we have the star of the reference of a sign that they're going to see in the heavens. And then we have Micah 5 two Bethlehem, yeah, you're small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. And they're putting two together. A star. Where is it leading us? It's led them so far to Jerusalem. And they have by all other means have thought, well, surely this is going to happen at the palace. Maybe it's the king's own son. And I couldn't help but think sometimes we, in many respects, perceive to presume how we can lead the presence of God. Well, God's going to work in this way and we're, we're leading God in the way that he must move in the way that we want to interpret the word of God, but we see here that they got it wrong. They arrived at the wrong location. Location, location, location. It wasn't Jerusalem, it was Bethlehem. And so they were humbled in a way like, wait a second, we made a mistake, we're at the wrong location. But once they reorientated themselves and they and they left the palace, it said that again they saw the star and they were overwhelmed with joy and it led them and rested over the place where Jesus was. I can't help but think how thankful I am this Christmas that Jesus by his Holy Spirit continues to lead us and to guide us, even when we m- get it wrong in presuming how he works and how he's gonna do things. He's faithful and true nonetheless. And so as we look at this story, there's two key important pieces before we continue on that we need to make sure we wrapped our heads around. The difference between how the Babylons looked at the heavens and how the Jews did. The Babylons looked at it, especially the Magi, as the stars dictating man's destiny. Because of what's happening in the firmament, that is going to dictate what's happening here and now. Whereas the Jews saw the firmament, the celestial bodies, as a testimony of God's handiwork, a sign of his sovereignty, that he's put all that into working order. And he's bringing all things under his authority. It's very different. In Psalm 19, verse 1, and we have it on the screen, says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There's no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. Life, And so you can imagine, as these wise guys are looking to literature and seeking knowledge that will make them wise, they're seeing this star running its course on its way, leading them to Bethlehem, that they're, that they're going to learn about the perfect plan of God, how he renews all who trust in him, and most importantly, worship him. When they bow at his feet and worship him. And this is the image that kept going through my mind as I was contemplating these scriptures. It's incredible of what knowledge is to be had when we seek the face of our Lord. And so naturally, the Psalms would have been intriguing to the wise men. Now, some traditions, and I just made a quick note here, some traditions say that the Magi were kings perhaps three kings, and they came to play tribute, whether it was three who were kings, or there were three wise men, or 12 wise men, or a caravan of wise men, that they were seeking out. He who was born king of the Jews. And they were fulfilling prophecy. Remember, we have to appreciate that not only we have Micah 5.2 talking about how in Bethlehem a child would be born, other parts of scripture were being fulfilled during this uh, interaction, this, uh, this you know, coming to Jerusalem and, and going to Bethlehem. It says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse three, nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Perhaps they were kings, perhaps not. But it's the righteousness of God, his, his brightness that draws all men. Psalm 72 verse 11 says, let all kings bow in homage to him and all nations serve him. So whether they were kings, whether they were just magi on a journey or it was a large caravan or not, they were seeking after that which God had destined in the stars to point them to that place in time. And this side of The account, this side of the story, I can't help like you, as I look up at the stars and just marvel at God's handiwork. And this Christmas it's going to hit me a little bit differently because I've been entrenching myself in this final nativity story of just seeing how God has intricately been involved in human history and there are signs and things that he's placed in the heavens to be a sign of how he's working. In the midst of that, all this wonderment and understanding and coming into relationship with God, I'm so thankful, like you, that it's not reserved for an elite few. What I can't help but note here in this story is that all seekers are welcome. These wise guys are seeking. They're seeking he who was born king of the Jews. We're told in Philippians chapter two, verse 10, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It says in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. So you might be sitting here, okay, this is great. We've heard a lot about these wise men and where they've come from and why they're significant. There's two things for you to walk away with today. One is, all seekers are welcome. But this was a precursor, this was the beginning of God involving the rest of creation, Gentiles of which you and I are, being part of God's redemptive story in Jesus Christ. They were the beginning of those who would seek him, We're told in the gospels that the kingdom of heaven since the time of John the Baptist is expanding and suffering violence by those who are taking it by force. They're so enthusiastically and passionately calling upon the name of the Lord and his kingdom. But it all began in many respects with these wise men aligning themselves and humbling themselves to follow this star to where it would lead them. And so they made this connection They made the connection by the star and who it revealed, in large part by the influence of those they rubbed shoulders with in Babylon. So think about this. This Christmas or any other day of the year, don't dismiss your witnessing power because you never know the impact you're going to have. From a subtle statement, you could be going through the most difficult situation of your life but it's in that very moment of your resolve, maybe it's passion or it's a humility of faith, whatever it may be, it rubs off. People see it, they're aware of it, and it could very well be like the wise man where people then desire to seek that which you have sought and have been overwhelmed with joy and peace that comes through faith in Jesus. And we see here from the story, it says after the star led them to the place, it says entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. I believe it was so much more than them just paying tribute. I believe from everything that they saw, from rubbing shoulders, that they had an encounter with the glory of God and this child that we know as Jesus. You and I have been created to do good works, to co- uh, cooperate with his Holy Spirit, to move and to, to speak and to share our testimony with others. And so get this, you and I in very many respects can be wise like the wise men by bringing others to Jesus. Check this out, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You are like a star in many respects because of your fervor and how you desire to honor the Lord Jesus with your life. Worship is so much more than singing songs. It's a daily act of worship. That's what Paul told the Romans. In view of God's mercy, I mean in view of everything he's done. In Romans chapter 1 it says he's created everything so that people would be without excuse. His testimony is assured. And so in light of his mercy that he's given his life for you, that he's been tremendously patient with you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. And so in a similar fashion, the wise men come, they lay gifts before his feet of frankincense, gold, and myrrh, expensive gifts, but they lay it before his feet. And so in a similar fashion, to remind us this Christmas, there's many gifts that we bring to the table. There's many gifts that he's blessed us with, that we bless his name as we bless others. And so just be mindful this Christmas, I encourage you to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit, how would you use me to lead others to you, God? The gifts that you've given me, would you use me and guide me to lead them to you that they may have a hope-filled relationship, the same relationship that I have? And this is something that is a a fantastic reality check because if you think about it, if each one of us, it's not about filling this specific house, but imagine if each one of us focus on a one, that one becomes two, two becomes three, and you can just imagine the multiplication factor just by sharing our faith, as subtle as it may be, the beautiful thing, all it takes to, to grow in boldness and confidence is reading the word of God and as the Holy Spirit speaks to you that you will glean in the insight of the word and how to share it in real time. Because we're told in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, let a wise man listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and discipline. So at the end of the day, this nativity story, in the midst of the the wise men and all the things that were happening, the focus still remained on Jesus. You know, you go around, you go into the commercial spaces, into the stores, and sometimes you see, well, there's Belsahar and the other wise men, and they take center stage. What's taking the place of Jesus this Christmas? This is something I just added as an additional takeaway. What might be something that's taking the place of Jesus in your heart? This in, in order to lead others to Jesus, he needs to be the, the, the point of our worship. But if someone else has taken that place, that place of worship, it's getting in the way of us being that witness. And so I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come. And as they come to worship, I appreciate this reminder of the word that calls upon us to worship Jesus no matter what. They entered the house and they fall their knees and they, they worship him. And when you consider these events and when you consider how Herod and the, those who were in the know and how they reacted, they knew better and yet there was no haste. There was no zeal. I can't help but leave here today and even as I think of Christmas, what zeal is in my heart for the Lord? In the end... The reason why I believe the the author of this vantage point shared the nativity in the way that he did, he wanted to highlight that you can even be in the know, you can be aware of God, you can be aware of the Lord Jesus, but it's easy to go through the motions, it's okay to even put on a masquerade, but at the end of the day, he knows those who are worshiping him with true and proper worship. He looks at the heart. And so at the end of the day, it was the Gentile wise men from the East who exercised wisdom in seeking Jesus when the king and the religious leaders would not. How is this resonating with you this afternoon? How is this hitting home? How is it speaking to you? I would just encourage you as the worship team place to take all of that in, all that's been shared, package it up, and invite the Holy Spirit to, again, bring you to that place of worship where you can celebrate, God, without you, I am nothing. As we cherish his birth, as we cherish the vital ministry that he's accomplished, and as we, most importantly, look to his return that we can look forward to the day when we will all bow our feet before him in unison, no matter what we've done in this life. True and proper worship. Enjoying his presence. So I wanna invite you, if you're able, just for a few moments to stand, if you're able. It's a good time to stretch your legs a little bit. Try not to be too long. But as you go here today, Remember those who seek after the Lord, those who seek and worship Him. You are wise, not only wise. You were like the stars in the heavens that are that were leading the wise men. You were going to lead others by the inspiration and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead others to faith in Jesus. Just think about it. it could be friends you had from high school. There's still many that I'm I'm talking to, and at times. I've kind of thought, well, you know what? That's just the way it's going to be. There needs to be a resolve. Because there is a day that's coming. As we eagerly look and anticipate Jesus' return, we would rather see our friends, our family members. They are celebrating with us. Rather than being one of the number that says, and I know it's bleak and we're not going to land there, but where the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because they rejected the name of Jesus, just like Herod and others did also. And so I am saying in front of you all, I have a new resolve commitment to celebrate what he's done and the tremendous gift we have in Christ, but to be like that leading star, to lead others to faith in Jesus also. Are you with me? (laughs) Amen. Amen, Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what's even said from this stand here this afternoon, God, that your Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us and that we take away that which is applicable to our life. Thank you, Lord, that you work in the different seasons and chapters of our life, just as you worked in the season of the wise men and the very practices that you were engaged in, Lord, you worked within that, that you could capture their attention and draw them to you to worship you. And so, Lord, I ask by the power of your spirit through each one of us that you will use us to capture the attention of others, whatever season, a chapter of life they may be in, that we can declare and celebrate the goodness of you and that they would seek you with their whole heart. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We know that at your name, as we speak your name, above every other name but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess you got to go feel free we'll continue to play here and uh no one's kicking you out but uh we don't remember we we'll have a service this coming sunday it's christmas day be blessed be with your family I think those loved ones or family members you know let them know about jesus the joy that we have and we will see you again in the new year yeah new year It'll be wonderful god bless you all merry christmas